uh, when we had a baby. And when we had Michael, uh, Bethany's mom had passed away. And so we brought in the hymn book or song sheet and we sang How Sweet to Hold a Newborn Baby. And I just think the special meaning that it has. And congratulations, Joy, smiling back there, that uh, she is a grandparent again of a grandson, right? And so we, we just want to say congratulations uh, to Cameron and his wife and just keep uh, them in prayer as well. Um, but when you sing, Lord, I need you, Lord, I need thee every hour, that's an old hymn that this chorus has kind of taken from, but it's a reminder how desperate we are for God. But sometimes I know for myself, I get caught up in how desperate I am for Jesus that I forget the fact that, well, because he lives, I can face tomorrow. And sometimes they're like, well, because he lives, like, take me home now because life is so difficult, but because he lives, I can face tomorrow and what a great joy that is um this sounds so terrible and i wish i was joking and maybe i am partially but uh over the last couple of years as pastor i have not been able to make hospital visits because they limit it to uh, one family member or two at the most and i actually had to tell uh the emergency room i was my dad's pastor so i could get in to see him when he had his heart issue but it was kind of like you there's so many needs i'm like there was one time that i went from dartmouth to burlington to uh copley and then to the berlin the hospital there so i did the full circuit and i'm like man there's so many people that are uh in need and i think if we looked around this congregation we pray for tennyson we pray for kevin we pray for vicky we pray for and you can just insert your name and slide up your hand because i'm going to miss some people we saw uh melissa missy semperbon yesterday she is recovering which is good but she's still recovering we think Think of Colleen, who's recovering, but is still just in need. And there seems to be so many people that need prayer. But what a great joy that because he lives, I can face tomorrow. Because God lives, we can go and pray. We can intercede. We can enter God's presence with great joy, knowing that, oh, God isn't too busy because there's a big need like Ukraine. Like God's just going to take care of that. But God cares about every need. And so, yes, Lord, I need thee every hour. But because he lives, we can face whatever the day is going to bring and we can face tomorrow. If you'll stand as you're able, let's just pray. <clears throat> Jesus, we do thank you uh, that you're with us and that your presence is real. And Father, we do think of those that are in need, whether it's physically or financially, whether a broken relationship or a different kind of hardship. We thank you, God, that you care, that you have a plan for their lives, that you desire to help us, to strengthen us. Father, for the needs that we have and for so many that just want to give up, that aren't certain that they can take the next step forward, that just don't believe that life is worth living, we thank you because you live and you have abundant life for us and you care about every need that we are going through, that every situation that's taking place, whether somebody is watching this live stream or they're listening after, you care. You are not limited between space and time, but that you care for us. So Jesus, we just declare that we need you, but even more that you are a God that has the ability, that has the authority, that is our creator, that is the miracle worker that can come and make new.
And Father, for all the requests that we have, that we share, that take place within this congregation, we just pray that your presence would be received by those in need and that we would declare that you are Lord and we follow you. So we thank you, Jesus, and it's in your name we pray. Amen. Amen. And you may be seated. Uh, some of you that are not um, on the email list, uh, we did receive good news about my brother's wife, my sister-in-law, Jen. There is a large or a big concern that the um, colon cancer that had moved from her colon to her liver would not be operable. And if it's not operable, then it's just going to grow. But my brother sent a text that last week, uh, the surgeons and doctors did say that it is operable now. And so we're very optimistic. It is going to be a long uh, row to hoe um, because they're taking 60% of her liver. The remaining 40% will regenerate, but the remaining 40% still shows um, some cancerous spots, lesions, and so we just want to uh, pray for them as well. But we are hopeful that it is the small blessings. It's the little things. It's the things that, well, God still has this that gives us hope that we can continue to move forward and, uh, and be encouraged in those ways. Um, I thought I charged the battery, so I'm just going to go back and forth. Hopefully it's not too much of a distraction, but I think we're okay. Uh, we do thank you for your continued giving and tithes and offerings, and you can give here or online. And it's just so encouraging, as I shared a couple weeks ago, that there are many churches that are closing because COVID really uh, hurt them. Whether it's the pastor's resigning, he found a different job, whether financially they can't uh, stay open, that that's really been a uh, hardship for many churches. And uh, several of my friends, they find themselves like uh, selling cars. It, kind of cracks me up, but they said, yeah, did you know that pastors make good car sales people? It's like, I don't, I don't know if that's good or not, but uh, I have three friends that are selling cars now that used to be pastors, but uh, we're just so fortunate for your obedience and obeying God with giving of your tithes and offerings and those that just continue to invest here as we invest in our community. And uh, just thank you for that. Uh, as a prayer request, Tuesday, if you happen to have Tuesday morning off, uh, I am going to be filling uh, windshield washer fluid uh, for vehicles here of uh, school staff, faculty. Uh, I asked the principal, hey, we'd like to show God's love in a practical way. This is something I brought up several months ago, and it just seemed appropriate with all the mud uh, just to say, hey, can we fill the washer fluid? And the principal um, he said, that sounds like a great idea. So Tuesday morning between 8.30 and 9, uh, the school staff, they're going to have their hoods popped and we're just going to fill their washer fluid to show God's love in a practical way. And if you come to church, great. But even more, it's better that the, the school knows that God is for them and we as a church are for them. It's not just like, well, that's going to cost. It's like, no, we are for uh, those that serve in the school. And if you would like to help between 8.30 and 9, Tuesday morning, we're just going to be here. So thank you for that. Uh, we do have um, probably the final um, uh, life group this uh, Wednesday for the book, The Way of the Dragon or The Way of the Lamb. That's 7 o'clock, either Zoom or in person. And we encourage you um, 
just to get a copy of that book, whether you've been a part of the study or not, it's brought out some tremendous things. I know for me and leadership, but also for Christians, what we struggle with. So I encourage you to get a copy of that book, um, be a part of that study. And you don't have to be a part of a church study. You can actually be the church and start your own study as well. So just, um, it's good to be together. So this is where we were three weeks ago about being useful. Like, what is uh, the use of the kingdom of God? What is the benefit of being a Christian? Well, in Revelation, it says, I know all the things you do, that you are neither hot nor cold. I wish you were one or the other. You aren't good for anything. That's the context. So he goes on to say, this is God in a vision telling, uh, this is God in a vision telling John to write this in the book of Revelation. But since you are like lukewarm water, neither hot nor cold, I will spit you out of my mouth. You aren't good for anything. You like waffle, you flip-flop, you're a chameleon. You're like uh, accepted in this area, but then you go to this group, and then you're accepted in this area. Where's your backbone? What are you standing on? Are you standing on the promises of God? Are you standing on what Scripture says? Or are you just trying to fit in? And I know for me, trying to be a good witness and understanding or thinking I understand Paul's uh, thought of become all things to all people to win some, Sometimes I just become all things to all people so they like me, so I can get a pat on the back or a high five, so I kind of fit in. But God is saying, and Paul was saying, so I can be useful to uh, people for God's kingdom. How are you being used by God? How? And this is rhetorical as None of none of you shouted out like, hey, I'm doing this. Or I'm doing that. It's how are you being used of God? And sometimes like, I don't know. I'm just trying to be faithful. And sometimes that's the best way you can be useful. Other times it's like, oh, I know I should be more active or proactive in this way, but I I'm scared. I'm nervous. And then, you know, it's conviction that God's trying to draw you out and have you become more for him as we Look at uh, Luke 14. Salt is good for seasoning, but if a salt loses its flavor, how do you make it salty again? A salt is useful in that uh, lukewarm, lukewarm terminology from Revelation. It's not good for one thing, but for multiple things. <clears throat> salt is good for taste. It's good for preserving. It's good for healing. God wants you to be good for more than just Sunday morning. I still have to figure out, like, how is salt good for the manure pile? Uh, I don't know, but I know flavorless salt is no good, according to this verse here. Flavorless salt is good neither for the soil nor for the manure pile. It is thrown away. Anyone with ears to hear should listen and understand that God wants to make us useful. God has a plan for our lives to do more than just show up at church and become spiritually, well, we don't say fat in church, spiritually unhealthier, spiritually gluttonous. But how many times have we met or interacted with Christians that they learn and learn and learn and they are so spiritually minded, they're no earthly good, that they can't interact with other people or talk to people in a real way because, well, you dress different or you talk different or you drink different. Or you, How can we just be the salt of the earth that has great seasoning? Luke goes on to say, but the Pharisees and the teachers of the law muttered because Jesus welcomes sinners and tax collectors and eats with them. 
He spends time with them. They muttered and poor dad and dad was sick last week and I talked online and I know mom forced him to watch online, but sometimes dad mutters or better he sputters. Like in, if you were here last week, dad just sputters. Like if it was my property, I'd do that. If it was my tractor, I'd do that. If it was this, I'd do that. It's like dad, but it isn't yours. So you don't have to sputter. And that's great advice. And you could tell him, oh no, it's theirs. I'm not going to tell him. It's like, then why are you sputtering so much? But these religious leaders, they just wanted to sputter. They didn't want to like give uh, instruction. They just wanted to like, oh, that's wrong. I'd do it different. And how easy that is for us to fall into something very similar. As we look at uh, Luke, we go on to verse five, or chapter 15, and it gives the parable of the sheep. And uh, it talks about if you have a hundred sheep and one leaves, then you go and find that lost sheep. And this is something that we've heard about. We've been uh, confronted on, but it's like, yeah, we know this story and we understand that you leave for the 99. And then once the one is found, you celebrate. Well, we understand that, but how does it hit home? And this is really frustrating me. It's probably frustrating you, maybe not as much, but hopefully this works he goes on to say, celebrate about the 99, but this is a different context. Suppose a woman, she has 10 silver coins, but she loses one. Won't she light a lamp and sweep the entire house and search carefully until she finds it? The first question that I had is, how much is that silver coin worth? Like if it's just like silver plated, I might spend some time, but not a lot of time. If it's like just one of those little... Some people, not in our house, of course, but some people have swear jars. Like if you swear, you have to put some money in. So you have a little swear jar. So if, is it money you just throw in the swear jar or does it really have value? What is the point of this? Well, this silver coin, it's the equivalent to a Greek drachma or a uh, Roman denarius, which equaled one day's wages. So this is two weeks pay that she has and she's lost one day's wages. And for you, it might be well that equates to X amount of dollars or somebody equates to something different. But what I studied, it's good to study before you preach. It's good to study the Bible before like you start talking about it. This was part of her dowry. Like this is something like maybe in this culture or in this context of Living Hope Wesleyan Church meeting at Crossbrook Brook Middle School in Duxbury, Vermont. We don't understand a dowry. So what is a dowry? Because I was like, oh, I know what that is, but I really need to look it up. So I'm uh, sharing. This was money brought by a bride to her husband on their marriage day. So it was not good enough that, hey, my husband gets me, but... He gets me and, oh, you know, here's a kicker. Like, here's two weeks pay. Like, I don't know if that's good or bad. Maybe it's really good. Maybe it's really bad. But this was part of her dowry. This is implying that she was single, that she wasn't married, that she was looking because in the context of this scripture, in the culture of this society, that the woman wanted to become married because then in that context, understand me, I'm not saying this is here because you'll call me a sexist or misogynist or whatever those bad words are because probably it is true, but they, the single woman was not complete, was not whole until she got married. She was not complete. Her identity was not fulfilled until she was married. 
So she lost one of those silver coins, and she really wanted to be complete. And in that culture, in that society, she wanted to be married. So she lit a light, a lamp, and searched carefully. Now, I love my daughter, and it's just nice to have my daughter here, but she'll probably go back to working on Sunday mornings because I use this illustration. Uh, I like doing laundry. I don't know why. I just I enjoy doing laundry. Well, the other day, Bethany said, oh, Jay has some laundry for you. And I looked, and then I looked in her room, and her, her room was clean. And I looked at the laundry, and I was like, is this all dirty laundry? Or did you just throw all your laundry out into the hall? And I'm told it was just her dirty laundry, and it wasn't a lot. Anyway, I don't want to get in too much trouble. But I was like, how much was she searching for something or did she just want to find her bed? Like, I don't, I don't know. It's a, yes, you can laugh. So anyway, um, <clears throat> I apologize. I'm just joking. She still loves me. Do we search for things like we're so we want to find it? Or do you do like I do? And I look and then I yell, Beth, where's my wallet? Jay, what did you do with those keys? Or when I was younger, uh, I was dressing up for something and I could not find my black dress socks. You can ask my sister. She still makes fun of me for this. I lost it. I had like, I thought, the perfect outfit, but I could not find one particular of black dress socks. And I was yelling at everybody. I was glad dad was working because if dad was home, I wouldn't be yelling at him. But uh, I was like, where are my dress socks? What did you do with my dress socks? Didn't you wash my dress socks? And I was like looking for those. But sometimes we don't look. We just yell. But this lady, she was searching. Why is it? important that she lit the lamp was it because like it was night no and it's interesting when you read the bible with all five senses when you understand the culture palestinian homes were poorly lit and normally had dirt or stone floors many did not have windows so, so this could have been in the morning this could have been in the afternoon but the people that heard this parable of jesus they understood that she was searching in the corners not in the middle of the night could have been in the early morning because it was so difficult to see she was searching because she wanted to find something that was going to bring completeness that was going to solidify her identity that was going to make her whole she was searching so intently the question is do we search that intently for god to make us whole or are we just Hey, I'm a Christian. I'm going to heaven. I'm doing my best. Or do we really understand like God wants to give us abundant life? We're like, yeah, yeah, that's good. And maybe I'll get there, but I don't need to search intently for really what God wants. I'm just, I'm going to heaven and that's good enough. I try to be a good person. This is from the Filament Bible app. I highly recommend that. Um, I bought the Filament Bible, but I didn't like the color. It's like, oh, Jay needs a graduation gift. So if you ever give a graduation gift, don't open it for yourself first and then re-gift it. I learned that as well. So uh, Filament Bible, get one for yourself. It's, it's good. This is what the lamp looked like. Can you imagine if just these windows were shut and there was no light? Even in here, it's a big space, but it's open. And you would be looking and you'd be searching because this woman 
wanted to find that lost coin that which was going to bring identity. This was greater than the swear jar or your cash tips or even your paycheck. This wasn't just one thing that she was just trying to find. This meant her dowry, that she could get married, that in that culture, that context, that she could be made complete, that people would view her as whole. This is why she searched so hard for that. God's saying that he has more for us, but sometimes we're just content in, hey, I have enough of God to get by. This was her identity. This was not just the provision, but this was her security that the husband, again, in that culture, in those days, he would provide the security. Her identity was all wrapped up in this lost coin. Is your identity wrapped in that Jesus says, be holy as I am holy? Without holiness, it's impossible to see the Lord. Or is our identity in like, hey, God loves me and I love him enough. Is our identity so focused on searching out? for us that we will do whatever it takes suppose a woman has 10 silver coins and loses one won't she light a lamp and sweep the entire house and search carefully until she finds it and when she finds it she will call in her friends and neighbors and say rejoice with me because i have found my lost coin you could equate this very similarly to when someone gets engaged now, there are those that kind of wear their engagement ring and they just always kind of like scratch their face. And I forgot my wedding ring. This is so bad. I Anyway, but they always kind of like every picture, every like uh, and they're just putting it right in front of you. So like, oh, there's something different about your finger. What is it? This is how she would call her friends and neighbors, just like somebody, most people, once they get engaged, they want to show off, they want to share, they want to celebrate with each other. This is the same type of excitement she had because she found the lost coin and she wanted people to celebrate with her. This is also like the sheep that God wants us to celebrate the lost being found. This is from Luke 15, 6 of the sheep being found. Rejoice with me because I have found my lost sheep. In the same way, there's joy in the presence of God's angels when even one sinner repents. And in the study notes, it's not that difficult to prepare a sermon. All you have to do is get a Bible that has study notes and cross-references. Then you go back and people are like, oh, you studied a lot. It's like, no, I just read the bottom part of the Bible. Like, that's all. So get one with those cheater notes. And it references back to Luke uh, 12. Luke 12, it says, I tell you the truth, everyone who acknowledged me publicly here on earth, the Son of Man will acknowledge in the presence of God's angels. This is what he's saying in Luke through these parables, that if you're willing to uh, acknowledge that I publicly choose to follow Jesus because I'm a sinner, because I can't make heaven on my own, because I need deeper purpose in my life than just the American dream. I need a greater success than just being debt-free and affording a bigger house or a nicer car. I need something deeper through the depth of me, so I publicly acknowledge that I follow God. Then he will acknowledge you in the presence of God's angels, but because we preach the entire Bible, but if anyone denies me, Jesus speaking, here on earth, he will be denied before God's angels in heaven. So if it's only on Sunday morning, yes, I'm a follower of Jesus. But when you get home, hey, 
I'm the man of this house. You need to do what I tell you. That is not serving your family as God tells you to serve your family. If it's, hey, I love Jesus on Sunday, but when I get to work, I'm the boss. You need to do what I say. Or I only get paid X amount of dollars an hour, so why would I do extra? Why would I work for God as I work for you? Why don't I just work for myself when Scripture says work for God because he's the one that gave you strength to be employed? So there's a caution of what it means. So suppose a woman has 10 silver coins, two weeks pay for her dowry, which still, I know there's some parts of the world that still do this. Uh, Just makes me kind of laugh. But won't she light a lamp and sweep the entire house and search carefully until she finds it? And when she finds it, she will call in her friends and neighbors and say, Rejoice with me because I have found my lost coin. In the same way, there is joy in the presence of God's angels when even one sinner repents. So the question is, not do you have that engagement ring, but the question is, when's the last time you called your friends at this local church or your friends from another local church and said, Hey, rejoice with me because... My friend became a Christian because a sinner received Jesus' salvation because the lost are saved. When's the last time that you got to say to your friends, hey, rejoice with me. I asked you to pray for. And you can tell a lot by your theology, by the prayer requests you have. And God cares for the sick. But God sent his son to die for the lost. When's the last time you called your church friends and said, rejoice with me because somebody repented of their sins and they're following Jesus now? It's been said that if someone leaves their church for your church, they will eventually find another church. Which can be discouraging, like, what? What are you saying? Well, as we listen to church growth information, they say, how about we start looking for the lost and involving them in our church instead of looking for those that are upset with their local church or their pastors not biblically sad as you think they should be. Instead of trying to get people that have some idea of, oh, I need to tithe or some idea or I have to be consistent in my uh, commitment and showing up. Or instead of that, we just say, we need to find people that are lost. I have no idea that they need to tithe. I have no idea that it's important to show up every week. I have no idea that it's important to serve one another what if we started looking at those people that are lost that they just have hey my washer fluid's empty like i don't have time because i work all day at school then i have to pick up my kid from daycare then i have to go make dinner and i could go out and get washer fluid but i i don't want to because i'm just tired what if it started to reflect to the people that have lives that wow the church can intersect their life and care for me what if it really became we were about people that had no idea who Jesus was or is. Some of you may have heard that we are a post-Christian nation, but now there's a thought that we are a pre-Christian nation. Post means like the post-game show. It's You talk about the game that just took place. 
The pregame show is like, well, we think this might happen. We anticipate this is going to take place. And this society seems to be more a pre-Christian world. So we can't say, remember when you went to vacation Bible school? Remember when your grandparents took you to Sunday school? Remember when you went to church on that hill way back when? They have no remembering of that. We have to convince them through the power of the Holy Spirit that Jesus has a plan for their life, that Jesus has hope for them, that it's not a conviction of sin because Jesus does that, but it's more, I can give, show you the meaning of your life in chaos. And that's Jesus. And this can be your life if you will just repent and look to Jesus. And then God does the convicting. So we pray so God can prepare you. Pray that God can prepare you. Pray that you can see the opportunities God gives you. Pray that God prepares us so that we live with integrity and character. Pray that we see the opportunity that God gives us. And pray that we make the most of every opportunity. Everyone... Jeff, that's hyperbole. Jeff, you're going extreme. Jeff, well, actually, I'm just quoting scripture on this one. Make the most of every opportunity in these evil days. Make the most of every opportunity in these evil days. So if it's cleaning snow off someone's car and you can look back, it's snowing, yippee. This is a day that the Lord has made. I don't know why he's making it snow, but he did make the day, so we'll be okay. But Make the most of every opportunity. Search like this woman searched to find that coin because she knew in that culture it would bring identity and meaning to herself. Search that God would allow us to grow in him, that we would be made complete for the congregation. What if God has the perfect whatever that means, for our local church worship leader just out there that right now they aren't a Christian. Right now they don't believe in God, but God says, I want to use so-and-so in this congregation to show my love to them. And so then they can get plugged in to be an asset, to be a resource, to be part of the family of God and to use their talents to lift us into worship of God. What if there's somebody that you work with and God's saying, I want you to be a witness to this so that they can make your life complete, knowing that you did not just receive salvation, but you allowed God to use you so they could experience salvation. If I was to ask a typical congregation, you guys are atypical, you guys are abnormal. I've used that joke before. But uh, if I ask a normal congregation, how many of you have led someone to the Lord in the salvation prayer? And you can say whatever you want about the sinner's prayer. But if I ask that question, we understand that concept. How many of you, it'd be less than 5% of typical congregations have led someone through the sinner's prayer and into the kingdom of God? Now, am I saying just lead someone in prayer? No, I'm saying live a life that God can use you, that somebody sees in your life the truth of Jesus. Jesus connects the dots and connects them with his salvation. And you know without a shadow of a doubt that you were made available, you were useful, you were hot or cold, you were not lukewarm, and God used you to bring salvation to their home. Uh, that's what I have. So we have about eight minutes to uh, smile, shake hands, shake babies and kiss hands or shake hands and kiss babies. And then we're done for the day. But God did not just call us to be done for the day. He called us to be the church. So as you're able, won't you just please stand and we're just going to ask God for his help.
perhaps there's a name or a face that God's brought to mind that's on your heart and you feel like, man, I wish they would become a Christian. Maybe it's kind of convicting and you feel like, oh, I've been avoiding that person simply because I want to fit in with that group. I don't really want them to know that I'm a Christian, that I'm a Jesus follower. Maybe there's somebody that you think, oh, I probably should send them a text or even write them a handwritten card or give them a phone call or meet them and just share. Like, I know my life isn't perfect, but I've chosen to follow Jesus and I think he can give meaning to what you're going through. So I want to take the next few moments and just ask God that would that he would give us a couple of names that we would be that witness to this week. Jesus, prompt us and convict us that we would be prepared to be used by you, that we would give up our own desires to follow you, that you would remind us to reach out to those that are in need, that are suffering with the thought of hell as a reality because they do not know you. So whether it's me or this congregation or someone that professes to be yours, let us reveal your love and search out the lost. May we understand that we are complete, that our identity is true as we find you and know that you love us. Uh, maybe that's a family member for some of you, and you can just think right now, top of your head, like, man, I wish my uncle, I wish my cousin, I wish my relative was a Christian. And they're so far away that they wouldn't respond to a text message. Maybe they don't even use telephones. They hate computers like my dad. The Holy Spirit is big enough to convict and meet and be there and be present and speak to them. So Jesus, for those that we don't think we have any way of connecting, we thank you that we can pray and intercede and ask for your help. So Jesus, we ask that your will would be done, that no one would be lost, and that everyone would have the opportunity to receive you as Lord and Savior. As we dismiss with a song, I'm just going to encourage you that during this song that you just tell someone next to you just um, a name of someone that you would like them to pray with you for. You don't have to go in a lot of detail. Just say, hey, could you pray for Matt this week with me for Matt's salvation? You don't have to say their whole story like they used to do this and now they did that. Or I wish. No, just just say their name. And if the person next to you knows him and you're scared that they didn't know that they weren't a Christian, then just give their initials. Just say ML. Pray for ML. They're like, who's ML? Well, let's not try to figure out who they're talking about. God knows. Let's just pray with each other for those that are lost. So as this song plays, plays, won't you share a name you want to pray for with somebody next to you and then consider yourselves dismissed. Jesus, we thank you that you love the lost even more than us. And oh God, let us be a church that seeks to find those that are lost that need you. Let us be an encouragement to one another. Let us be ones that care about the things that you died for. 
We thank you that you bring healing to our physical bodies. We thank you that you bring healing to our financial situations. But we thank you, Jesus, that you give us eternal, abundant life. Let us share that effectively in you for others. And it's in your name we pray. Oh, no. 